uh, poetry, music, image, song, lyric, and reflection with the help of a great core of comrade, colleague, artists from around the country. Our show tonight is focused on art and resistance. Art and resistance as we move towards closing out this crazy year of 2020. What is the role that art can play in our movements? What is the role that art can play in changing the world, in making it possible for us to imagine a different world, in making it possible for us to see more clearly the world that we're already in and exactly what the problems are that need to be changed. Uh, as a literature professor myself, I spend a lot of time thinking about art and its relationship to social change. And in, in preparation for this show, before we turn it over to our terrific artists who, who I will share with you their names in a moment, um, I thought I would share with you two very brief poems to set a bit of a tone. Poems which for me establish very different poles, you might think, in terms of the, the role that art can play, or maybe the challenge that art faces in our world today. A world that is not always conducive to art making, to art re reception, to art reflection, and, and, and frankly, to just having the peace of mind to actually compose words that, that are meaningful. Um, th these both come from the very opening pages of, of scholar and comrade Alan Wald's book, I highly recommend Exiles from a Future Time, the first of a, a series of books he wrote about the, the liter literary left of the mid 20th century in the United States. And he opens with two short poems that I thought would, would, would kick things off appropriately before we turn things over to our first speaker who will be Demetrius Noble in a moment. First poem, these both come out of the early, out of the 1920s and the 1930s. The first poem is by Saul Funeroff, The Bellboy. I am that exile from a future time, from shores of freedom I may never know, who hears sounding in the surf tidings from the lips of waves that meet and kiss in the submarine gardens of a new Atlantis. That's Saul Funeroff, conjuring a sense of art's promise, the way in which art can make present a future we may never even get to see a romantic vision in a way of, of the lovingness of a future that, that the artist can guide us towards if they're lucky and true. Contrast that with Langston Hughes' poem, Johannesburg Mines, written during the same period, coming out of the same quote unquote, communist literary movement of the 1930s, socialist and communist movement of that time. In the Johannesburg Mines, there are 240,000 natives working. What kind of poem would you make out of that? 240,000 natives working in the Johannesburg mines. Langston Hughes, reminding us that whatever our mode, whatever our medium of art making, our art is up against a world that defies the logic of art, that resists the logic of art, that doesn't want life or makes it very difficult for life to be meaningful for people. Uh, it almost seems wrong to rhyme a poem while 240,000 people labor at slave wages or without wages in a mine. And yet this is, this is the world, this is one view of the world that poetry, that other art confronts. And today we are, we are blessed to have performers 
and philosophers with us today to share work in various modes from poetry to music to visual art and beyond and to also reflect on art, art as an object, art as a symbolic creation, but also art as a practice, art as activity, art as something that is connected and, and must be connected, whether it knows it or not, to the social movements for progress, for change, or for regression and barbarism. I'm so pleased today to have a number of great speaker performers returning to Shelter and Solidarity. That those, those returning today include Demetrius Noble, Raymond Nat Turner, Eartha Watts Hicks, and Dean Stevens, who we'll be hearing for later in the broadcast after we go to your questions and answers and, and discussion after the hour mark. We're also joined by a new guest today, Ricardo Levens Morales, whose reputation precedes him, a, a longstanding artist and activist, er, active on many fronts, as well as we are joined by Rafael Medina, uh, a great activist musician associated with uh, the, the site Encuentro Cinco, where I've, I've heard him lead many a Pena in the, in the evenings, um, ready, many a community meeting and anchored in his music. Um, I'm gonna, without any further delay, turn it over to Demetrius for, uh, for whatever he'd like to say, and then five minutes of brilliant poetry. Get ready, folks, because Demetrius will knock your socks off. Demetrius, it's so good to see you, brother, and to have you with us tonight on Shelter and Solidarity. Thank you for having me. I'm just going to get into it. Thank you. Happy to be here. This classroom will not be a safe space. This classroom will not be a safe space. This classroom will not be a safe space for domesticated discussions. You won't be able to say any and everything without repercussions. You are not the president, nor one of his tweets. When you speak, your voice emanates from a mouth that's attached to a body that can get shot down just like Ahmaud Arbery. You are more than 140 characters. You are 25 of the 56 million potential historical actors, 56 million students disaggregated and alienated in remote satellites called home, hiding behind screens, missing football games, pep rallies, proms, and other things posting throwback pics of last year in crowded halls with hashtag fuck COVID-19. No doubt wondering what does this all mean and when can we return to normal? But what is normal? And is that something we wanna return to where 1.5 million of you return to school? But when the bell rings, they don't have a house to go home to. What is normal? And is that something we want to return to, where 16 million of you will stagger down the halls in desperate need of food? What is normal? And is that something we can even return to when every time I turn around, they shutting down our schools? What is normal? 
for your one and a half million undocumented peers showing up to school every day, terrified in tears that an ICE agent might make them disappear. And worse still, you'll never ask whatever happened to Javier. What is normal? for your 14 million black classmates forced to navigate a curriculum riddled with hate as they maneuver through crumbling buildings that are overly policed, that are pipelines to prison, not opportunities. We know normal. Normal looks like neoliberalism parading as a hero to save us from fascism. Let's redefine normal as we redefine our lives. Let's normalize students becoming radicalized. Let's normalize teachers teaching revolution. Let's normalize schools as a site where society finds solutions to the contradictions of capitalism, where class consciousness triumphs over racism, where radical feminism supplants patriarchy, where students and teachers march in lockstep to crush today's oligarchy. Let's redefine normal. Let's redefine today. Let's lean into discomfort. This classroom is not a safe space. Thank you, Ron. Oh, Demetrius, man, you made me cry on the number one. Tough act to follow. Demetrius, I'm speechless. Um, we'll come back to discussing later. I'm going to withhold comment now. We're just going to move right in to Raphael, who has going to bring some music hey. into the vibe. Raphael, give us Hi, a guys. beat for this truth. Yeah, Raphael. Hey, and then after that, we'll have Eartha, and then and then Nat, Raymond, Nat Turner. Cool. Well, I'm going to share a small song by a Afro-Uruguayan composer singer, songwriter, of course, crazy activist, wonderful soul, joyful being. Uh, and he wrote it in the 70s, uh, way before we even had artificial intelligence as another concern. But uh, he summarizes um, a lot of these things that are universal and timeless. And he still manages to, to give it a little bit of a almost cynical um, upbeat to say, you know, what are we waiting for? Like, so, um, and of course it's in Spanish, but basically says when all the poetry is gone, when people are just surviving, when tiredness kills happiness, we'll just be a working machine, a machine, a gear in the machine. If they globalize our thoughts, there's only going to be one book with the same old story. And without that magic of fantasy, the music of the world will have no room. So I asked myself, who's going to sing? Who's going to play? Who's going to write the melody of love? Who's going to sing? Who's going to play? Who's going to ask so singers don't stop singing? And if each country or each peoples have a precedent, at least it should rhyme with their people. And if the distribution is more coherent, then we may have a planet with identity. And when love becomes the most urgent thing, it won't make sense to talk about any wars. 
And when racism has no more siblings, that day I will be proud of humanity. Who's going to sing? Who's going to play music? Who's going to sing the melody of love? Who's going to ask for the singers to keep on singing? So here we go. Cuando la gente solo sobreviva, cuando el cansancio mate la alegría, seremos una máquina de trabajar. Una máquina de trabajar y nada más. Si globaliza nuestro pensamiento, solo habrá un libro con el mismo cuento. Sin esa magia de la fantasía, la música del mundo no tendrá lugar. Yo quién va a cantar, quién va a soñar, quién va a tocar la melodía del amor, quién va a cantar, eh? quién va a soñar, quién va a pedir para que no calle el campo. Cada pueblo tiene un presidente que por lo menos rime con la gente. Cuando el reparto sea más coherente, tendremos un planeta con identidad. Con identidad. Cuando el amor sea lo más urgente, no tendrá caso una guerra de oriente. Cuando el racismo no tenga parientes, me sentiré orgulloso. Me sentiré orgulloso, me sentiré orgulloso de la humanidad. Pregunto yo quién va a cantar, quién va a soñar, quién va a tocar la melodía del amor. Quién va a cantar, ¿Eh? quién va a soñar, quién va a pedir para que no calle el cantor, para que no calle el cantor. Para que no calle el cantor. Oh, 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 oh. Pregunto yo quién va a cantar, quién va a soñar, quién va a tocar la melodía del amor. Beautiful, Rafael. I just wish we could all sing along. You know what I mean? I understand that, that Zoom complicates that. The, the, oh, the, very much. Yeah, we need sound jack for that, but it's another story. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the forced asynchronicity, right, of Zoom. We are together and yet not exactly on the beat, but you you still make us feel together with that with that beat you laid down. And I really appreciate you also translating the lyrics so that there, even oh. those who, of us who are ignorant or out of touch with our with our Spanish language uh, training can still follow along a very powerful message. It makes me remember the guy on the poster behind me, uh, Charlie Chaplin in Modern Times, who shared oh. your concern, shared the, the writer's concern about the, 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 the rendering machine of humanity. That's right. That industrial That's capitalism wreaks. Thank you Universal. for that. Universal. 
That's right, brother. Okay, great. We're gonna, next, we're going to go to Eartha Wicks, Eartha uh, Watts Hicks, rather, Eartha Watts Hicks, returning to Shelter and Solidarity as well. Eartha, it's great to have you back. After Eartha, we'll have Raymond Nat Turner also returning to the show. Eartha, welcome back. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much. Um, my poem is called I Woke Up Black. I woke up black. I went to sleep black. I think black, but that does not mean I think dark thoughts. I smell black, so I know black is sweet. I speak black, so I know black is eloquent. My heart is black, so I know black is kind. My compassion is black, so I know black can be selfless. My drive is black, so I know black is the purest form of determination. They can't shut me down. They might try to stand in my way, but they cannot turn me back. My power is inextinguishable. I am black. I love black. I love me. You might ask, how did I get so black, so fine, so eloquent, so kind, so powerfully sweet? I woke up this way every day since the day I was born and black, is all right with me. Thank you. Thank you, Ertha. Great to have you back on the show. And thank you for sharing that poem. Powerful. Thank you. We will, and again, I want to mention to all the, the artists, we'll have a chance to round table in a few minutes after we hear from the rest of our folks. And I really encourage you to ask questions of one another and, and lead that discussion in whatever way that you want. I, I'll, I will have thoughts for each of you, but we want this to be around as round a round table as possible. And we, we welcome you to, to share those thoughts. And to those who are not a, a scheduled performer, we will be hearing, we hope to hear from you too after we go to Q&A and discussion around the hour mark. So please do uh, indicate that you'd like to speak and put a note in the chat box and we will uh, make sure to include your voices if we can. All right, without any further ado, Raymond Nat Turner, welcome back to Shelter and Solidarity. Thank you, uh, is the audio okay? Is it Looks good to me. Sounds good to me. Okay. All right. This is. You just cut out though. You just went muted. You're muted now. Um, let's. Raymond, we need you to unmute. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. Okay. You are now unmuted. So let's now we are unmuted again. All right. This is thanks, Mama Harriet. I cried. Help, Mama Harriet, help. And you, beautiful young warriors, came toy-toying from Ferguson, Baltimore, the town, through tear gas clouds, pepper, pepper spray storms. You came tying traffic into hangman nooses, shutting malls down like open and shut cases of killer cops who walk. You came wrestling your minds from the hands of oppressors. I cried, help, Mama Harriet, help, 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 Mama Harriet, help. And you, beautiful young warriors, came incandescent, 
kicking, screaming from capitalism's womb, waters breaking, unleashing torrents of energy, sending surges of resistance, electrifying our streets, illuminating our steps like Las Vegas nights. You came galvanizing, mobilizing, out organizing wet blankets of false consciousness, suffocating confusion, despair, plastic cuffs, protest pens, free speech zones, police state checkpoints, poles with eagle eyes, walls with elephant ears, jagged resting places of boomers bamboozled by the state's complex simplicity. I cried, help, Mama Harriet, help, 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 Mama Harriet, help. And you, beautiful young warriors, came waistbands concealing questions, came actions unraveling riddles wrapped in enigmas shrouded in superstition. What's the state? What's this octopus, 10,000 tentacles circling the wagon? What's this creature of constitution, courts, prisons, jails, judges, legislators. What's this machine of mediators, arbitrators, governors, generals, admirals, wardens, agencies, bureaus, spies, snitches, provocateurs, patsies, and foot soldiers, sons of slave patrols, the police? all coming from the same playbook, the same page. I cried, help, Mama Harriet, help, 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 Mama Harriet, help. And you, beautiful young warriors, came trusting fresh, unvarnished perceptions that the state protects private plane too big to fail, came an island, crowds, serves 99% pig foots and fists, knuckle sandwiches, boot burgers, baton blows, taser, and loads of hot lead compliments of the 1%. You know it ain't broke. Every epithet, insult, punch, kick, baton blow, bullet serves superbly. You get that there's no fixing the robber's gun, leaving skeletons wasting in doorways on cardboard mattresses, hands curled into cups from begging. You see, there's no tinkering with terrorist bombs, blowing up food stamps, social security, Medicare, and your schools. You, you're clear clubs, crushing resistance, suppressing free speech, shielding scabs, smashing strikes, and drum majoring for wars, slaughtering tens of millions of African, Asian, and Latin American class brothers and sisters can't be adjusted. I cried, help, Mama Harriet, help, 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 Mama Harriet, help. And you, beautiful young warriors, you fit the profile, toy-toying from Ferguson, Baltimore, the town, vying for mastery of mass struggles, myriad forms, sit-ins, boycotts, 
marches, mass meetings, mass rallies, teach-ins, freedom schools, freedom songs, study groups, sabotage, armed self-defense, door-to-door, doing the difficult today. The impossible might take a little while. Raymond Nat Turner, Raymond Nat Turner, so glad to have you back. So much to say. We'll get to it soon. Powerful poem, a powerful poem. One of three we've heard, and we're going to go to, we're going to change modes a little bit now. We're going to welcome one of the co-producers of Shelter and Solidarity, Linda Liu, uh, my partner on the show and in life, is going to is going to step in here and and introduce us and facilitate a bit of a discussion with Ricardo Levens Morales, and we're going to hopefully with the help of our other producers Saran and others, um, Linda herself, going to look at some images which Ricardo has made available, so we can we can include the the very images. Also uh, to Raymond and and Demetrius and and Eartha, uh, please do send me and send us the texts of what you you wrote, if you can. I know some of you are in contact with me on Facebook. I'd love to look at it even as we continue with the discussion so I can engage you more fully. Linda, take it away. And uh, Ricardo, welcome to Shelter and Solidarity. Okay. Um, welcome everyone. And um, today we are so fortunate to have with us uh, Ricardo Levens Morales. And um, Ricardo, would you mind if I read a brief version of your bio or would you rather introduce yourself? No, you go for it. I might learn something. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, Ricardo Levens Morales is an artist and organizer based in Minneapolis. He uses his art as a form of political medicine to support individual and collective healing from the injuries and ongoing reality of oppression. His activism has included support work for the Black Panthers and Young Lords and participating in or acting in solidarity with farmers, environmental, labor, racial justice, anti-war, and other struggles for people's empowerment. He was a founding member of the Northland Poster Collective. He also leads workshops on creative organizing, social justice strategy and sustainable activism and mentors and supports organizers. Ricardo's work is widely used by grassroots movements, organizations, and communities. So, um, so Ricardo uh, is also an artist and activist who has been practicing for over an astounding five decades. And um, that's some real dedication and I would imagine um, involved some really hard work uh, through the years and, and also much love. Um, and Ricardo's images are not only beautiful, but they're also a shining example of how art can be fused with activism and social movements and, um, and also healing. So um, as for me, just a little bit about me, I'm somewhat familiar with uh, art and activism spaces. Um, I'm kind of the unofficial like protest artist 
uh, for my university where I teach. So um, I make a lot of posters and signs and things like that, but in a very amateurish way. Um, but uh, pe people appreciate that. Um, and, and I just wanted to um, ask you what you think or how you envision the role of, uh, of your art in um, your activism and also your, um, your healing and your social movements. Yeah, well, thank you, Linda. And thank you to all my fellow artists and organizers and others who are here with us this evening. Um, I think the most important thing in sort of drawing on some of the stuff that you summarized is that I do consider what I do to be medicinal art and medicinal in a healing sense, not so much in a Western doctor sense. Um, kind of my sort of underlying mantra or slogan is that the soil knows how to heal itself. The body knows how to heal itself. The community knows how to heal itself. So that our job is to support all of these complex systems by protecting them from the, the poisons that harm them, right? The, we have the answers, right? We have the knowledge, um, even if it's hard for us to access. Um, so that's really where I go with my art. Um, I would say that systems of oppression, whether we're talking about an abusive family or a colonial system or a global economy, basically operates on lies. And lies are like the venom that some reptiles or insects or even some plants use to paralyze their victims so they can eat them. It paralyzes us so that we can be exploited. It mobilizes us, confuses us, turns us against each other. So that for me, doing medicinal art means finding the antidotes. What is it that we need to bring into our bodies, our communities to neutralize these poisons? so that we can blossom in the way that we're naturally meant to. Wow, that, um, that is a, a great description of, um, of the role of art as, as healing. I hadn't really heard about um, art as kind of medicine and um, being used to neutralize lies. So, um, so I'm, I'm gathering from that, that uh, you see your art also as a form of getting at the truth, right? Some kind of um, truth telling. Yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah, and that truth, I should say, can take a lot of different forms. It can, and, and we saw examples of that in all the, po in the poems and songs that we just heard, right? So it can take the form of reviving memory and supporting our memory, our historical memory. Um, it can be in the form of stories, therefore, it can be in the form of questions, of stimulating our imaginations, and just reflecting back at each other. So part of the function of art is a mirror, that if I can reflect yourself back to you in a way that reminds you of the things you might have forgotten about yourself, that you're beautiful, that you're powerful, that you have the capacity to find the answers if you listen to yourself, and connect to those around you. Mm -hmm. So, um, so along those lines, do you have any particular images that you would like to show that I I think um, encapsulates sure. your your philosophy towards art? 
Yeah, and I think we can move through them pretty quickly. My art is available online, so apologies uh, that you won't be able to look at any one image for very long, because I just want, want to give you a tour of, of some of these medicines, knowing that some of these were created as sort of general medicines to treat what ails us co collectively, and some were designed for very specific struggles in very specific moments. And there are others that I don't share because they were so specific to particular organizations or struggles. So let's just take them in order. Um, whoever is doing the tech support on the images, let's start with number one. <laughs> so this is uh, a really a poster made out of a series of images I made early in the pandemic that describe what we need to do in order to survive a, t a pandemic. Everything from staying you know, staying aware, resting, organizing for a better future, accepting our feelings. And though I hadn't thought it through, this was used very widely in kindergartens, in schools. Um, we translated into Spanish and also made a coloring book out of it, which um, has been used as a teaching tool and as a reassuring way to teach children what they need to know in these times and adults. Number two. Not much to say about that. Number three. This was in response to the fact of people being shut in can make many people vulnerable within potentially abusive situations. And it can amplify the abuse by the fact that the mobility communication so that it is a medicinal message of support and also has some specific suggest strategies um, and some numbers to call, That's in, at least in the version that gets posted online posts. Number four. By the way. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So anyway, that's um, we all been we we all been there, right? This is just I did I just did this for fun. We're all experiencing the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> oh, zombie! Okay, there you go. I actually, ventured into zombie it. culture. <laughs> zombie, yes. Yeah, I, I I really I really connected with this one. <laughs> there you go. See, that's the one that resonates. You know? That's the first time I've seen that 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 playoff of words. Maybe I haven't mm -hmm. been around enough, but uh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, next one, number five. Trayvon, it has a quote. And again, I didn't set out knowing I was going to do a poster on Trayvon Martin, but when I looked around what was out there, most of what I could see was really kind of hopeless, you know, re-traumatizing. About, you know, here we are um, since the days of Emmett Till, same old shit happening, right? So I wanted to find a quote I used Ella Baker that was more empowering and that looked toward a better future. The next one. So the quote here, this is from Fred Hampton. He says, we say we will work with anybody and form a coalition with anybody that has revolution on their mind. Um, I came up in the period when Fred Hampton was 
a leader in Chicago and that's where I was living. And so the Rainbow Coalition he organized has had a deep influence on the way I organize. And it's really key to this time that for the, the way that Hampton and the Young Lords and those people were working, it was really about rooting, everybody rooted in our own identities so that we could come to the table of solidarity. You know, 40 years of the nonprofits has turned identity into a brand that we defend our intellectual property against competitors so we can get funding. That was a very different idea of what solidarity means. And, and this is a segue into the next one, one of the major things that the Panthers and the Lords and the Young Patriots were organizing around was gentrification and displacement. So let's go to the next slide, number seven. This one, it says defend Detroit, and it has to do with the emergency management board that was imposed there to privatize everything and disempower an African-American city. Next one. All the way, all the way to number um, eight. Yes, no se vende, it's not for sale. Our land is not for sale, our homes are not for sale. I did that in the wake of Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, which is where I'm from. And again, it's that same struggle, the same thing that was happening in Chicago in 1968, the same thing that was happening in Detroit. More recently, the same thing happening in Puerto Rico, displacement. Next. Number nine. This was made during one of the street occupations here in Minneapolis, Minneapolis, protecting wealth and whiteness since 1867. And in fact, when we realized that that meant that 2017 would be the 150th anniversary of the Minneapolis Police Department, some of us initiated a project called MPD 150 to do a performance review of the Minneapolis Police and start putting the idea of police abolition on the menu so that people wouldn't always be reaching for those same tepid reforms. Uh, Linda, should I be cutting it off here? Have I used up my time? Um, I think I think you can keep going, yeah. Okay, um, number 10. Yeah, I this, love this was, one. I, I pirated my own art from a environmental justice poster um, in order to make signs for one of the protests when Jamar Clark was killed by the police on the north side and the street was being occupied by the movement. Um, sometimes I would just print up a bunch of images on cardstock and hand them out. We'd hand them out at the protest for people to carry. And number 11. The earth is not for sale. See, and everywhere you're going, you notice we're dealing with the same issues, right? Different places, different issues, you know, same issues, right? Um, and this has a lot to do right now with what's happening with the Line 3 and Bridge, you know, um, frack pipeline, et cetera, tar sands pipeline. Um, that's, those are the struggles we're seeing here and everywhere. Next, number 12. So this is another, a different kind of medicine. It says, put down the piece, pick up the piece, put together the pieces, right? So this is dealing not just with the shallow lies, but with the deep lies. The shallow lies 
have to do with what's happening in our streets, what's happening with our young people. The deep lies have to do with who these people are. These are our precious children, not predators, problems. They are the source of the solution. They are not the, the disease, right? And that's the deep lie that has to be addressed even as we're dealing with immediate crises. Um, number 13. Well, we're almost to the end here, so we're doing good. Uh, next one, number 13. Okay, I'll just I'll explain this. Health workers love this one. It's a parasite classification chart, and it goes into the, the definition of a parasite, as you can imagine what that is, basically intervening to suck away our nutrients and not give us anything in return. The four classifications are protozoa, metazoa, arthropods, and insurance companies. <laughs> and then I have some examples of each, you know. There are ticks, there are fleas, there are amoebas, there's Cigna, Humana, United Health Group, and so forth. Um, just a little truth telling there. Next one, 14. Nothing about us, without us, is for us. The slogan comes from the disability rights movement in South Africa. And it's the one thing organizers always need to remember if they forget everything else. Next, 15. Good night, moon. I'm not going to read you the text, but it's, it's really written to all of the family, the children with incarcerated parents, the incarcerated parents who have children. And it's... Um, dedicated to them and to the, the, the budget cuts that happen for both children and incarcerated people so that billionaires can win elections and, okay, too small for me to read. Um, onward. Well, we have three more, number 16. This one's just medicine, medicine. It's called mentorship. It's the passing of nutrients. I've particularly been, I'm a, I live at the northern end of the Mississippi, but uh, I really have been um, impressed and moved by the way mentorship is practiced in the, in the South, among Southern organizers in Louisiana and Georgia, Carolinas and so forth, where it's a real, a tradition that is so ingrained that it's hard to ask people about mentorship because they don't think about it. It's like a fish in water, but it's a beautiful and powerful thing. Next. Number 17. I call this water music. I have no excuse. I did it because I wanted to. And it's so interesting because older people see it as the moon playing drums on the sea and younger people see it as DJing on the water. <laughs> right. It appeals to the generations. Who knows what the generation afterwards is going to see? The oracle, maybe. And then the final slide, number 18. Another world is possible. Pushing through from the world of, faction, of police and fracking and extraction into the world of sustainability 
and mutual support. I threw that in for you, Linda. I know that's your fave. Um, and it's also really key because for me to be medicinal, to be able to awaken in people the idea that another world is possible, I actually have to believe that. And that does not come from telling myself nice, comforting stories. It comes from having to actually study. How does change happen? Why does change sometimes not happen? Um, and really, how does nature work? Because that's what we're embedded in. So when I am trying to put out a message that just isn't right, if I can't find the power in any particular story or the agency, I'm not ready to make a poster yet. And I have to go back and find out where the power is. Okay, that's, that's my slideshow. Wow, that was such yeah. a yeah. That, that was such an amazing selection of of images, and um, and I definitely um, I definitely have ones that I really connect with. And I think, um, for instance, the first one, um, our our cousins know with the animals. Um, I just I just felt like that was so that was so very. Um, relatable, right? Like, like children can relate to that, right? Um, animals know <laughs> what to do, right? To protect one another. Um, and sometimes humans have to be reminded of that. But I, I, I thought that was really beautifully done and, and really poignant. And if I could just piggyback on that and say that what I eventually figured out that I do as an organizer when I'm successful is to find ways to remind people of what they already know. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that knowledge is on very deep levels. It doesn't always mean it's something you knew consciously and forgot, but it is always something that resonates, which means we already got strings tuned to that setting, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just jumping in briefly, I mean, it really, you emphasize the, the simplicity, right? This, on the one hand, this isn't like, this doesn't require an elaborate pharmaceutical, corporate pharmaceutical establishment, right? To kind of act on these core truths you know it it's it think it's it's so simple right i mean it the un, almost a kind of unlearning as well that you're enacting here right a kind of as you say a kind of inoculating the toxic messages that we get and returning to basics you know uh fundamental it's, and it's, it's powerful and it's, it's it's contradictory also because one of the things that causes human beings to fail is that we're not able to really embrace complexity and yet once we understand that, that's actually a simple concept. And that the thing, the truth that we can ferret, feather out from looking at the world in all its complexity are in fact simple truths. That's great. Linda, do you have another question, couple questions for Ricardo before we bring the rest of our artistic group? Our, our, I, don't want, uh, I don't want to single them out. We have many, everyone here I'm sure is artistic, but our, our, our feature performers back for, for a round table, but let's, uh, Linda, you have a couple more questions for Ricardo or comments? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just have, um, I think one one question, I've just been noticing that there's uh, there's some humor, right? There's some whimsy and um, in, in your artwork. Um, like I really liked the one uh, with different parasites, right? Um, so um, so I, I, I think that's really effective. Right, because I, I think sometimes 
you know, organizing can be really hard work and it's really serious. And I think, I think art, well, arts of all kind, right, can, can bring in other kinds of emotions. And I really appreciate how, how you can bring in humor as well, which, and, yeah. And I just like to say the humor is really, really key to the project of changing the world, right? It's not just makes us feel better, like having a cocktail after work. Um, because if you think about what, a, what is a joke, right? A joke is a little story. And if I'm telling you a joke, I'm telling you a little story and you know exactly what's happening in that story until I get to the punchline. And that's where I pull the rug out from under you and you realize that all of those pieces of the story actually fit and make sense in, a, in what turns out to be a completely different story. So the message is things might be different than they seem. That is the most profoundly subversive message there is, right? Mm -hmm. And I've heard an interview with somebody who had survived the Nazi concentration camp saying humor was the only thing that kept us alive. And I believe it because it tells the nervous system, even if it's gallows humor, it tells the nervous system that no matter how bleak things are, no matter how hopeless, I could be wrong. Yeah, really well, well put. Linda, shall we bring in the rest of the, uh, the team? Yes, yes, we point. should. Okay, so, okay. so um, artists, uh, you know, Demetrius, uh, Raymond, Ertha, uh, Raphael, um, all of you, um, and uh, I would love to welcome you to comment on each other's work, um, but I, I maybe to, to buy you a, a moment of time while you, while you think of what you'd like to relate. I'd just like to kind of pitch to you all the, the broad question that Linda asked uh, Ricardo to begin their tete-a-tete their, uh, -tete there. And that would be, you know, how do you think about, or I mean, after hearing Ricardo, I also want to say, how do you feel? Uh, I don't want, know this answer is simply necessarily one that comes from the head, but how do you conceive of and feel um, and live your, the relationship between the art that you make um, and the activism or organizing that you're involved in? or that you see occurring around you? I mean, whether you are involved directly as an organizer in said movement or not, uh, you know, how do you, I mean, I'm sure there may be different modes, but I'd love to, you know, get a sense of one or two of the ways you think and feel about the relationship between the art you're involved in. And, uh, and, then, and then we can get into actually commenting more concretely on each other's work, uh, the small sample of which we've, we've had the privilege of hearing in the last few minutes. Um, I don't know if we want to go in a particular order, not seeing any hand up. I'm used to using Zoom for my classes here. Actually, speaking of classrooms, let's go to Demetrius first. I know I know he has insightful things to say after that brilliant poem. Uh, no, thanks for the uh, question. And, and thank you uh, to all of my uh, comrades and cultural workers who have uh, shared. This has been, um, <laughs> I don't even know what the right way to, to say it. it. It's been so powerful uh, and inspiring. Um, but, but to answer your question, Joe, um, I think of my, my work in, 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 in relation to, you know, activism and organizing, uh, as an intervention, um, is it a tool, is it an intervention, um, that can help, uh, push or provoke people, uh, to more radical considerations, uh, are there, questions that the that my poetry uh help uh 
to to raise for folks to get them to to ask like really good questions. I, I think like Raymond's piece was really uh, profound in that way. Like, what is the state? What are these things? Uh, Amiri Baraka once said, "If you ask enough wise, you'll get wise." And so I think um, poems. Or, or art that can compel people to ask questions, to interrogate their immediate surroundings are, are really powerful. So I, I hope that uh, my poems in some way can uh, push people to want to question, you know, their immediate surroundings. And, and then I think if once folks get to asking the right questions, certain actions then just become unavoidable. They become inevitable. Like you have to act, you have to move um, at, at, at a certain juncture, and I think the right types of questions uh, can can help provoke that. Demetrius, just as a fellow teacher, I mean, we're all teachers of each other in one way or another, whether or not that's how we draw a paycheck. But as a fellow, you know, educator in a formal sense, I found the way that your poem, um, you know, kind of compelled the reader, the student, uh, it's to its address, but also perhaps the teacher to reconceive the space they're already in was very, very profound. I mean, I think, you know, our, our culture and educational environments, you know, in particular, I mean, for, you know, the meritocracy of America, let alone, you know, no child left behind, test stakes America, you know, this, this idea of individualism, this, that you're a student, and that means you're, you're you, and you get the grade, and the way you so effortlessly kind of emphasized you move, use number, right? You use the millions, right? You use demographic kind of statistical breakdowns to get people to, to start thinking about these like abstract, potentially kind of abstract issues and crises as if they are, as they are in fact, happening to your peers. You know, and just the right. way poem, you know, this is the first time I've heard it, but getting us to think, you know, getting the listener to think, reconceive of these social injustice issues as matters of like things that are happening to your classmates. Right. You know, which just, again, it's it's just a redescription. It's not adding anything to the situation. It's a redescription, right, of the situation that brings the kind of big picture into the classroom in a way that then changes the classroom. Right. Both it's what's possible, but also the dangers, you know, and, and that whole idea of, you know, this kind of depriving the safe, the, you know, kind of taking on the notion of the safe space. Um, and, and, and I won't even talk about normalizing and radicalizing yet, but, but I mean, but I just thought you, what you did was just really profound and I didn't want to, you know, lose the moment to, to recognize that. Uh, I'm going to share, if you'll give me permission, I'm going to share it with all my students on yes. the last day of class. Um, yeah, brother. Um, Raymond, uh, and Eartha, our other two poets so far, uh, I would welcome you into the in, into the the broad question, and then and I and I won't make a responsive comment. We'll go right to Raphael and back to Ricardo and Linda uh, before I say anything more, just to let you all have the have the stage here, have the have the roundtable. Eartha or or Nat, or Raymond, uh, how do you think about this this broad question of of art and activism? Eartha, I think you may still be muted. I think you're muted. Take two. There you go. Beautiful. Not there. Um, well, I know for, for me personally, it, it's a matter of, um, of taking a, a broader look at all that's going on, processing it, and then um, transferring that frustration through the medium of art to find solutions in some way, or at the very least, 
tell the whole truth. And uh, in doing so, number one, it allows me to record what's going on. It allows me to gain perspective. It allows me to um, look at a situation from various different angles and look at the parts of it that, that are being overlooked. But as I do it as an art piece, I, I get to shift it so that there's a solution there that one that I can identify and one that gives me hope and gives other people hope because um, you know no frustration lasts forever it's going to be a, a period of time um, you know just a brief period of time sometimes a longer period of time but you know the solution is always a work in progress so you know that being the case uh, I, I look at artists as the eyes and the ears of what's going on you know, we are, you know, we are the news that, that the people, we are the people and we are the news, you know, whereas the news may be one perspective, we are the perspective of the people and not just what's safe to hear, we're what's actually going on. And, and that word of mouth and that artist's perspective is, is wholesome in a sense, in a sense that it's authentic. So um, that's what I feel that, you know, our part of it is. I love that. We are the news. I love that. M much more there. Raymond. Um, well, firstly, I'd like to uh, take this opportunity to uh, thank you, Joe. I believe it was that, and I guess Linda, who, uh, for organizing this and um, including me with, among all these uh, incredible artists, it's, it's um, really uplifting to be among artists like this, you know, because oftentimes, uh, I, you know, I find myself in various settings and sometimes it's more difficult to connect with people, you know, sometimes uh, this is more of my tribe, let's just put it like that too, for shorthand. Uh, so having said that, I, I think um, <clears throat> for, for me, um, I, I feel like I have a job to do that was, um, you know, like the, I, I believe, um, you know, I stand on some pretty broad shoulders. And first and foremost, I think uh, Paul Robeson, who said the artists must choose between, you know, freedom and slavery, essentially. I'm paraphrasing. And that's, I've always looked at it like that, that, um, you know, as Robeson said, I had no choice. <laughs> you know, the choice is very clear. And, and even more particularly, um, you know, I come out of uh, Los Angeles originally and um, my mom's youth center was the nucleus for the Southern California chapter of the Black Panther Party. Um, some of my friends and, you know, brothers, you know, I mean like Al Prentice Bunchy Carter who was a wonderful poet and inspiration for me was assassinated at UCLA. <laughs> and, you know, 
some of the people didn't get to this point. So each morning when I get up, I'm, you know, I express my gratitude for being here, but I also put the hard hat on and go to work, you know, and as much as I can do to, you know, I, I say my little 1.5 cents contribution to the struggle to raise people's consciousness and do what needs to be done. I think, you know, the people, I, I, I think um, uh, the brother who's um, Levin's morale, he's, I think he's the brother of a poet that I know, but in any case, his, his artwork was really incredible and inspiring. And I think what he expressed was that, you know, the people who have the solutions, they know what needs to be done. And I think we all sort of know what needs to be done and we may express it in various terms, but we know it's beyond what we've seen the last four years and what we're about to see come January 20th. We know it's way beyond that. And so, you know, that's what I try and do with my work is to make my little contribution each and every day to um, helping people see that they have um, the insight and the direction and the skills and all that. All they like lack is confidence. So anyway, that's a long drawn out. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's brilliant. And I, I really do hear the correspondence between what you were acknowledging in Ricardo's comments about getting people to recognize what they already know. Yeah. And you're in your in the poem you presented, which had that yeah. subtext. I mean, first off, I mean, both you and Demetrius's poem were both second person, right? You, you, you know, and, and getting people, you know, the whole question of like the way the poem conjures, tries to conjure a different listener in the audience, right? You know, right? You know, you know this thing, maybe it's not what, you know, you're, you're acting on at this moment, but you know the system's not just broken, right? You, right. you know, there's no fixing the robber's gun, right? <laughs> right. People themselves are, are, are a, mic, a complex mix of, right, contradictory consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. There are truths we know, but we don't, we might know that we know them, but we don't admit out loud that we know them, and therefore we don't believe. So, I mean, I really felt the way that you were, you were, like, encouraging these young, beautiful warriors, right? Mm -hmm. But to kind of acknowledge right you're kind of teasing out right and encouraging what's already there right and, you know, exactly. I, I felt like it was really powerful and again i just could hear this really great resonance between so many of your work um, yeah and and let me just say one thing you know briefly uh oh ricardo levin's morales i think his sister's a poet um in any case i, I know her um in any case um what I what I really do admire about the people on this uh, call, or whatever it is, the Zoom or whatever, is is just the idea that um, we as artists we have a role. But I don't really like the term giving voice to the voiceless because people have their voices and they have they can express it as in Minnesota, they can express it as, as in Baltimore or they can go to the polls or they can do any number of things. I think our job is just to amplify, not give them, they already have voice. So anyway, that's. Um, 
Okay. Uh, also, to, to piggyback off of uh, what Raymond's saying, if no one hears us cry, no one knows that we're in pain. And we honestly have a lot to be in pain about. And, you know, there's discrimination, job discrimination. There's um, underemployment, unemployment. There's um, many people losing their homes and then in the midst of all of this people dying uh unprecedented number or disproportionate number of african americans dying during covid in the midst of this there's george floyd and his murder so if as artists we have a responsibility to pay attention to all of it and put that that, that pain that we're experiencing we have a responsibility to put that into words and reflected back to society because when you honestly think about it as 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 heinous as it was what happened to george floyd if there wasn't the outrage behind it there would be no solution it would have just been forgotten about it, it would have just been another tick on the tally so we got to remain vigilant and remain responsible and we have to do that through our art like like raymond was saying yeah, that's powerful, Eartha. Another, otherwise, you know, another tick on the tally. That's that's a phrase. That's that's a powerful phrase right there. A horrifying reality. Thank you so much, uh, Raphael. We have not yet heard from you. You've been listening. You you gave us some great music. You've been listening for quite a while. I'd love to hear you. Then we'll go back to Ricardo, and then maybe give you all one more chance to comment on each other before we we bring in. Uh, we have a recording from two other great musicians, participants in the show that we will we will show as our transition and go to open question and comment, and maybe hear some more poetry as well, Raphael, and then Ricardo, and Linda as well. Raphael, you are muted. The mute, the musician here. <laughs> now you can hear me. <laughs> yes. Good. Well, first of all, thank you to all of you guys, uh, all the energy put into organizing and making this happen, and of course to the beautiful energy that it's brought by all the people that share the different, you know, expressions of creativity and and the unstoppable need to denounce in so many ways and reflect and, and encourage this healing. So I, I, so many words and so many things have been thrown by the different um, people that have participated here that are all sooner or later, just finding like pieces of a puzzle, a place where they all interconnect, relate and create a synergy, which I think is where that, um, if you wanna call it healing, happens. So for me, coming from South America and seeing, you know, um, other other parts of the, the suffering that sooner or later becomes very clear, it's universal and timeless, unfortunately. I think I've, I've taken the influence of artists from there, which have to pay with their lives, of course, to be voices for the people and amplifiers for the people to, to use art, not really by choice, because that's also something that was said. It's not like you have a choice. I think uh, when, when you have to do something, you don't have a choice. So people that need to say something about injustice using art, they don't, they don't do it because they're wondering about it. They do it because they can't stop it. They have to do it. And in that sense, I think we all share that um, I don't know what to call it. I don't think you want to call it a calling, but you want to call it a, 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 a desperate need 
to do that. So, and I had many influences that also used uh, humor as, a, as an instrument, as a tool, because um, not only is energizing, but it's also expands the spectrum of how you can do things. And also um, there's something that I am particularly interested in, which is the, the repentismo, which is like um, improvisational. So basically you can grab different things and you, you can kind of adapt them to what's going on. Like we've seen things that are timeless, universal, but sometimes you have to talk about more specific topics at a given time, given the circumstances in a certain place. Like we've seen what's been going on here in the US aside from the global pandemic. So there's, there's timing too. So I think that's beautiful and different forms of artwork like we've seen in the pictures too and in the poetry uh, are all you know, elements that help um, create that or, or amplify that or remind us of that awareness, which I think was also said, it's almost something that it's always there. And it's kind of like consistent with the essence of nature. And that's what gives me hope too. And is that, you know, like if you leave, um, if you see ruins, you know, after something has been left alone, even Chernobyl, after you leave it alone without, you know, the interference of the stupidity of humankind, uh, things kind of go back to some kind of natural state or harmonious with nature state. So I think that's a reminder for us that there is built in the wisdom of life itself, the capacity to heal, to, to, to go back to whatever the balance point is if given enough of a chance. And that happens through the arts too for our societies, for our, for our spirits, for our communities. So that's an inspiration for me to, to do what I do, which is you know, make, make my own writings when I cannot help it and, uh, and share the writings of others and, and keep them alive and mix them in different ways, depending on what the present moment is. So I love that and I love how it all works together. Yeah, thank you, Rafael. I think some very wise words there, you know, about the, the in, be, need to be in tune in, in, in the sense of timing, right? And, in, in relationship to the situation one is in and um, an art coming out of that desperate need, not just a choice you sit down, right? But uh, to, 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 to make something, but, but really com coming from some deeper imperative. Um, Ricardo and Linda, I'd love to go back to you before maybe we give the, the, the broad panel one, you know, another chance to, to just comment on each other's work or anything they've heard. And then we will be asking um, asking Tracy Garrison and, and co-producer of the show, Tim Shear, to say a couple words about their song, which we will hear as our musical interlude today. Ricardo, Linda? Oh yeah, Linda, would you like to jump in? I just want to say that one thing, you've been sort of participating as a facilitator, but I'd be very interested to hear hear your voice as an artist facilitator. Oh, um, well, I, I see myself as, as someone whose art has kind of fallen by the wayside because of, um, because of my, my job teaching in a university. Um, but I think that definitely art was definitely my first, my first love. Um, and I feel like I have, I've kind of um, been away from it for a long time. And I think, I, I think activism at my university has really kind of brought it back to me and in a new way that I never thought 
um, I could use my art before. And, um, and so I, I think, I think it's really interesting how art is being, being used for uh, rallies and protests. And um, before that's not how I thought of art as all, at, at all. My, um, my mom is a, uh, a Chinese watercolor painter. Um, and so she comes from a whole different tradition. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just really glad to be able to, um, to put my, my small talents to, to some kind of, you know, good use. And Linda, of course, is too humble. Uh, I've been saying in the chat box, she's been the lead, I think, visual artist in the kind of anti-austerity, anti-cutbacks, uh, anti-budget cut movement and the union movement at UMass Boston, where we both teach. And her, her work has actually got into the local papers. She did this incredible artwork layout. You taking refashioning a Monopoly board. I, we should have queued them up for the show. Taking every square of a Monopoly board and rewriting it for the privatized public university that UMass Boston is becoming. Um, in addition to that, she also happened to design the logo for this show which I'm hoping co-producer Seren Moodliar can get on the screen in a few minutes. I'm sure you've seen it on our website at shelterandsolidarity.org as well as our YouTube channel of the same name, Shelter and Solidarity, where I hope you will all subscribe and follow us on a week, week, and week bi bi-weekly basis. Um, but, you know, Linda, I, if we can get that image up, we, maybe we can ask you to comment on, on the thinking that went into the Shelter and Solidarity image itself. A, you know, logos as, as a kind of art, perhaps, but I'm not sure if we're going to have it in the next minute. But uh, in the meantime, maybe we can Linda, go back to Ricardo. Yeah, Ricardo, go ahead. Is there a link, Linda, that you could drop in the chat where we might be able to follow up and see some of your pieces? Oh, um, oh, geez, I don't even have a website <laughs> with my work, but that's yes. Yeah, that is that is the logo. <laughs> yeah, okay. And just if it's any comfort, one of the things that I'm always pushing back against are the assumptions we make about what an artist is. You know, I remember there was a long time when my um, daughter was born when I wasn't making any art and I just decided I'm, I'm an artist who's not making art. Rather than having that existential, oh, am I a real artist, you know? That, uh, mm. we're encouraged. Mm, that, yeah, that's interesting, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so. I mean, thank you all to everyone who presented. My way of processing that is really the compost method. In about a week, I'll wake up and say, aha, that's what I should have said about that piece. Um, but it's, it is all very healing. Oh, and Rafael, I just wanted to mention that in the um, late 70s and 80s, my compañera and I also everyone a lot of work bringing the Nueva Canción group to Latin America. Pairing them with other um, groups, and the Nueva Canción had a musical movement of that time had an influence on the way I do political art, even though my art is visual and they were musicians. Um, Good. So yeah, this is a uh, yeah. Ricardo, would you like to continue? Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, just thinking in. Broader terms, I guess, I mean, my, my lens, which I think about organizing is an ecological one. Um, Victor, you might have some idea why that might be. 
Um, and partly, I, I grew up- Victor Wallace, who's also on, for those who can't see, uh, see him if you're not on the, the if you're watching this later, Victor Wallace, uh, eco-socialist, extraordinary uh, scholar activist on this issue has just been name checked. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, it's, it's, in, I grew up in in a place that had no on and offs, no, no blinky lights, and no screens. Right, just playing in the forest, and that gets you know. So that's the lens through which I look at organizing, and it's really how I learned about social justice is is by delving in. And one of the things I learned from a neuroscientist who studies insects navigation of all things. He said that the purpose, one of the main purposes of all brains is to take in sensory information, and this is a cockroach or a mouse or a human, take in information from your environment, create a sort of approximate image of the state of the world and compare it to a desired state. And he says, if there's a difference between the two, if there is a gap, compensatory action is initiated, which is what we call behavior. In other words, if what we feel is not the way we want to feel, we move and we do something, and that's called behavior. So whether I'm cold and I need a blanket, whether I'm and I need to overthrow hierarchy, it's all really instinctive, right? So that our movement as living creatures is activism. And so I can't really think of well, how does art connect to activism? Activism is what we are. Activism is the act of moving. The only reason we move our bodies is to make things better in some way than it was. And that's, that's what organizing is. And that's what we're seeing in a very intentional way with the use of language, with the use of sound, with the use of light and color, is how to bring each other into a story that will move us to where we want to be. Yeah, thank you, Ricardo. We, we're having a little bit of an audio issue on, on, on your end, but I think we were able to get the essence of what you were saying. And on that, I mean, generally, by eight, by eight o'clock, we generally go to open Q&A, and we will go there very soon. But I did want to get the, the, the artist one more chance, not one more chance, but another chance um, to, to offer thoughts in, in, in reflection on what you've heard. Uh, you'll hear more in a moment after we hear a couple more songs and, and we will welcome our audience to participate and perhaps we can hear even another poem from some of the poets and and maybe a song from the singers. Um, does anyone have a after after Ricardo anyone want to respond from the from the panel? Yeah, um, um, in response to uh, what Ricardo is saying is um, we can't be complacent with someone else's suffering. Um, there's a lot going on to like various different groups of us. And um, solidarity is us just moving together and working together to make sure that we're all treated fairly. And that's a process. So it, it's, um, it's our responsibility as artists to use our art form to facilitate that process however we can do it. Absolutely. Helping people to see the ways in which an injury to any is an injury to all, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm getting some sense that we it's time for some more music. Um, I'm going to, I'd like to ask Tim Sheard and, and Tracy Garrison is collaborator. Um, Tim Sheard, a longtime, you know, co-producer of the show and, and Tracy, a uh, musical partner of Tim, to say a few words about the song we're about to hear. We're actually going to hear a recorded version of this song. Uh, before we, and then after that, we're going to open it up for for questions, comments, and perhaps additional performances and reflections from 
from you and we'll hear a song from Dean Stevens a little bit after that as well. Uh, Tim and Tracy, love to hear a few words from you before we hear your work. <coughs> uh, thank you. Um, thank you, Joe. I'll just be brief. Uh, I'm, I'm a nurse, a retired nurse. And uh, when I heard stories from my coworkers, I began writing songs about them. And the song that Tracy sang, which we'll hear, uh, Nurse's Lullaby, is I imagined a night nurse uh, singing to a COVID patient who was scared to death that she's going to die. And it's based on the experience of a nurse's aide that I worked with for many years, who was admitted uh, to the ward with COVID that she acquired on the job. And uh, she spent a, a sleepless night worrying that she was going to be the next one to, uh, to you know, to suffer, a, 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 you know, from the disease. Happily, she survived, and I wrote the song for her. And Tracy did a lovely job uh, uh, handling the vocals for us. Um, Tracy, you want you want to say something about the song, the lullaby? Um, thanks, and I just love being here tonight and hearing all of these amazing artists. Oh my goodness. So um, basically I'm the, the voice of Tim's words on this song, um, but of the songs that we recorded sort of in this weird way, um, this was one of the ones I just kept coming back to and it's just, it's a lullaby. And it, it made me think about every time we're watching at the, the news and the numbers are terrible you know, reminding ourselves that uh, we're talking about people, we're talking about individuals, and, and um, hopefully that comes through in the song. Close your eyes, time to sleep now, you have someone to call to the pain is gone it will keep now for a patient 
very much to Tim and Tracy and the pandemics, as I understand it. Is that the the pandemics um, to, for uh, Fallen Heroes? Um, yeah, and we do encourage you to check out the rest of that album, which I'm sure folks can find online or on Facebook or go to Tim Sheard's. I know Tim Sheard's Facebook page has, has, has included content there. Thank you so much for that. That music, beautiful stuff. And I think, uh, Tracy, you, you made a really interesting point uh, before the break um, in terms of, you know, getting trying to get people art as a way to get people to think about and to recognize the individual, the humanity on the other side of all of those statistics. In some ways, it's almost like the flip side of the point I was, I was drawing out with Demetrius earlier, right? The way in which we can see different dimensions of our of our individuality when we recognize we're not alone and and and, and how big all these bigger sociological trends but you 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 bring out the that other side which is the need to rehumanize these statistics that are often thrown at us in ways that we you know even as we obsess about these numbers or are made to obsess we can still be so out of touch with what those numbers really mean so thank you both for you know reminding us we have another song coming at you, I think. We got Dean Stevens, uh, one of the supporters of the show, uh, working with one of our co-sponsors, Community Church of Boston. Dean, I believe this will be your third song on the show, and we're glad to have you back. Are you ready to go, Dean? Hi. Great. Dean, and after we hear from Dean, we're going to ask all of you to find your own voice and to tap your voice and, and share something, whether it's in poetic form or prose, we'd love to hear from all of you who including our including folks on Facebook who might be watching and listening and want to relay a comment there we'll try to give it voice here out loud if you write it there on Facebook uh Dean take it away well folks I'm sorry I wasn't on the call and I look forward to hearing the recording uh I was dealing with the uh the the, the sad passing of, of one of our members at Community Church of Boston his name is, is Bob Dattilio. He was probably the world's uh, foremost authority on Sacco and Vanzetti, who are our, um, our patron saint kind of martyr heroes at Community Church. Anyway, two, two things I'd like to tell you about. December 13th, we give our annual Sacco Vanzetti Award to Daniel Ellsberg. December 20th, we have Chris Hedges speaking on a Sunday morning. So, so join us and I will um, contribute this little song to this, this lovely Zoom gathering of artists and poets. And, and I look forward to hearing the recording of y'all, okay? Are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? Are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? The people gonna rise up, the people gonna take a stand. The people gonna rise up and take on back this land. Tell me, are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? Tell me, are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. Tell me, are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? Now listen here. When tyrants tremble, sick with fear, and hear their death knell ringing, when the people rejoice both far and near, how can I keep from singing? Tell me, are you gonna be ready? When the revolution comes, tell me now, are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. Tell me, are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? 
How long, how long till judgment day? Bring on, bring on that judgment day. How long, how long, how long till judgment day? Bring on, bring on that judgment day. Tell me, are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? Tell me now, are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. Tell me, are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? Las sardinas se comieron al tiburón. Las sardinas se comieron al tiburón. This is a line I heard in Cuba and in Puerto Rico too. It is in Spanish. And may I translate it for you? It says, the sardines ate the shark. The sar 99 sardines ate the big fat shark. Yum, 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 yum. Se comieron al tiburón. Yum, 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 yum. Se comieron al tiburón. Tell me. Are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? Are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. Tell me, are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming! It's here! Just kidding, but I know that it's very near, so we must believe, we must work hard, we must have faith, we must be strong. Soon it will come, and we will find out why the good change takes so long. Tell me, are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? Tell me, are you gonna be ready when the revolution comes? It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. Tell me, are you gonna be ready? When the revolution, when the revolution, when the revolution comes. Woo! Dean Stevens, when, when the revolution come, are you gonna be ready when the revolution come? It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. That was amazing. This is one of my favorite shelter and solidarity moments yet, this show. And we're gonna open it up for questions and comments from you all. I have not been keeping the closest eye on the chat box, so feel free to assert yourself with a hand raise or just blurt on in. I do have a question ready to bide your thoughtful mind's time. Uh, and that's the question that I think Nat was, hit, uh, sorry, Raymond, Nat Turner was hitting a moment ago, uh, implying, you know, that this doesn't always happen. That this idea that artists, artists, comrades coming together, the, the, the shorthand tribe you mentioned that you prefer, why doesn't this happen more often? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to take us out of the, the the close analysis of the art that we're doing, but I do wonder to what degree we might use this space to reflect on the way in which what art has to offer the movement, but then also some of the resistance and the challenges that we have to create spaces like this, not only during COVID time, but more broadly. It seems to be, it's very, I mean, I find this, all the work I've heard tonight has reminded me of why the work is so important. Right, but of course, art being art, it isn't always so instrumental. It isn't necessarily putting, you know, it isn't knocking down the barricade. It isn't passing out the leaflet per se. You know, it isn't, and and sometimes when we have trouble justifying this work, right, or or, or you know, uh, amplifying it within some of the organizations and activist groups that have much other kinds of work to do too. And I wonder if people have thoughts on that. Uh, I mean, Raymond, I'll throw it towards you since you indicated, but also invite other peoples to, to step into it. I mean, what is the status 
of art within our movements? And what can we do to, to, to center it more? What would it mean to put art more at the center? And even as I say that, I'm, I'm cognizant that I'm setting up false oppositions. You could say activism, as, as Ricardo was pointed to earlier, is a kind of art making. It's all human practice. It's all deliberate human practice. And you know, sometimes a leaflet can be as poetic as a poem and, and so forth. But I wonder, you know, what you meant earlier, you know, Raymond, when you said that these kind of spaces don't don't occur that often and 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 wondered if you might offer some reflections on art and the movement. Well, let me say that um, I feel like I, you know, I have a little meter in me and my little meter indicates that I talked more than uh, maybe, you know, that maybe someone else should take it for a minute and then I'll, I'll, I'll be glad to come back. But let, let someone else who hasn't spoken as much speak, you know, I would feel more comfortable at this moment and I'll, I'll definitely come back. And then also, you know, I'll have a little bit more time to reflect, <laughs> to reflect yeah, on it too. It's both and, you know. People on, on the spot. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just one option I was thinking. I mean, it's just another way of thinking about what is art's relationship to political practice to think about the obstacles, the challenges, right? The challenge, and it may be, maybe to make it a little more personal for our artists, what are the challenges you face? Right? And we've talked some about what you conceive of as your nature, you know, your, um, your motivation or your, the concepts that you have in your head as you, and how you relate to art making and in relationship to your, your values and the movements you're connected to. Everything about Bombas socks wow. is made to give. But what are some of the, the, what are some of the obstacles and the struggles to overcome those obstacles that, that inform or that challenge your art making? How about we let some of the, not let, but how about if some of the females, the women, our comrades speak yeah. I mean, first and then uh, I'll, 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 I'll be glad to come back because I, I have a lot to say, but yeah, you know, well, but I, I'd like to, you know, absolutely. because once I get going, you know, so let's, let's have yeah. someone else. I do want to hear from you, Raymond, but yeah. Oh yeah, I'll, we're going to hear. You. Um, so, you know, we, you know. Rosa looks ready. Oh, I, yeah, I, I can I can jump in. Um, for the most part, um, artists we speak to the struggle within our own art, but it, you know, for uh, it, it becomes pretty irrelevant until that struggle is uncomfortable. You know, once everybody starts to feel the discomfort of what the conditions are, that's when the art becomes important because that's when people look back at the art and see those were the pains that we were crying about all along. Um, the same problems are resurfacing, have been resurfacing, whether our attention is on them or not, they're still going on. And, you know, our attention spans are short, especially with so many different channels and so much on the internet and so many different uh, social media outlets. It's like, you know, our attention span is just so short that to, to look at the art and reflect on the art and even take time for the art, it becomes irrelevant until the struggle is too painful. Yeah. The war on our attention spans as a, as a barrier to art making and, and art processing. Yeah, that's, I mean, it does require slowing down in a way, making space. That's a powerful point. 
Raymond, you ready yet? We come back to you. You want to? Does Tracy? Does Tracy want to say something? Or? Yeah, Tracy, sure. I'm just enjoying the listening. <laughs> hey, that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, so many, so many thoughts. Oh, thank you, Tim, for putting or whoever dropped uh, Tim's side because there was a question in the in the chat about fallen heroes, which I mean, and. I mean, like I said, I've got a lot of thoughts in my head and Tim probably should speak to this for the for the art that he's created in, in this uh, music that this really came out of my understanding of just how do you process what is going on around you? And Tim is very good friends with and a neighbor of um, the leader of a band I'm in called Left Foot In. And we haven't been able to perform, and um, it's it's killing me as a musician, um, not being able to play and sing with my friends and and the songs that I love and and for audiences. And so, how do you find a way in this way? And uh, when Tim asked for what I thought was going to be that, you know, just doing some demo tracks for a few songs that has turned into this album, it really, it, we would do these recording sessions and I would be walking home and uh, just realizing that this was a way for me to try to process uh, what was going on around us. Um, I live in Brooklyn. Tim lives in Brooklyn. Um, I'm about a 10 minute walk away from him. And so at least during the summer, walking home and saying, okay, yeah, there's a place to put the frustration, the anger, the anguish, um, as you know, our numbers in New York were horrible and then they got better and they're surging again. And, you know, as I'm walking home and facing people who are not wearing masks and I'm thinking, I just sang three songs about what happens if you don't do this. So um, I don't even know if that's making any sense, but those are the things that are sort of coming to mind for me. Um, mm -hmm. And some other uh, musicians I perform with, we've been looking for that. How do you continue? Um, and like Linda, what you were saying, you know, art and uh, what Ricardo said about, are you an artist if you're not, creating it's like yeah but you're on pause or you're creating a different way tracy that's 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 so true and let me just add that um we we need to create we need as artists we need to reflect on what's happening to our neighbors to our friends to our community to our world we need to respond to it we need to speak out about it and so that's what i did in writing these songs uh, as my friends were laboring in the hospital and as, as a band, it's so difficult. We couldn't all be together as a band because we, it's COVID. We, it wasn't safe. So Tracy might come over and lay down a, a, on a track. And then I'd take my laptop and my microphone over to a bandmate and he'd lay down a bass track. And then I'd take it to another artist and he'd put down a violin track. And then when I had 13 songs, I'd take it to the percussionist He'd take it to his studio. He'd lay down his track. So it's, it's fascinating that this is very much like the struggles that we're all involved in, you know, for social justice is how do you, how do you get your work done? How do you get what you have to do done? And in our case, we were a virtual band, you know, and everyone worked together in a very funny way. Uh, 
and somehow it all came together and, and worked out well. Um, and we're hoping in the spring when we're all vaccinated, we'll finally get to play together as a band. <laughs> and, and Tim Sheard, for those who don't know, is, is an artist in more ways than one. Uh, he's also uh, an accomplished novelist with, with a, a number of books, uh, over half a dozen. What is it, nine, ten? books now tim that you it's uh, the 11 novel 11, novel, 11 novels 50 short stories and you've picked up the guitar fairly recently is that is that right well, not exactly not uh, joe I I, I I i strummed a little folk guitar for 50 years but i never really learned right. how to play it until i took lessons from a, a fellow in new orleans during okay, the COVID, during the because as one of the uh, the one of the ways that i remember you saying COVID is actually giving you an opportunity to return to that Right. I mean, we think about COVID as creating barriers and to ver doing various kinds of things we'd like to be doing or, or need to be doing, but also the opportunities that open up. Right. A, a kind of slowing down, a kind of uh, returning to roots. So and I feel like your work is really impressed by the work you've done in this in this COVID period. So, OK, so well, uh, I wanted I wanted to jump in on something um, again. You know, I, I go back to where um, I started earlier, you know, thanking you again and Linda again, you know, for um, crafting this and enabling these various artists to come together. And, um, and I have to give a big shout out to Demetrius because um, he, the first time I met him, you know, he really inspired me because um, you know, I've, I've felt very lonely over the years, you know, uh, in pursuit of art, you know, even though, you know, we have a, a group, uh, Upsurge, Upsurge New York City, that's, you know, it, but those are instrumentalists, and we have a different process. We come together after uh, Ziggy and I write something, you know, and writers operate primarily in solitary, where as in bands, just by its nature, it's collective work, and particularly collective improvisation. And so it's a different uh, kind of environment, a milieu, you know, and so it's really um, wonderful for me to, to be around artists that I feel comfortable with, you know, just like when Ricardo was talking about his images um, and he talked about Fred Hampton and he talked about um, those who have brands and, you know, these brands are heavily funded and they're elevated and uh, at the exclusion of other people who might be saying quite a bit more and uh, it, it may be more impactful, but you know, that's by design. And, um, you know, just, just like one of the things that as artists we're faced with is this capitalism that denigrates art, that uh, is hostile to art and Sometimes uh, some of us find ourselves in competition with one another, and you know that's very toxic. And I've you know I've experienced that, you know, when you go for 
you know, you seek funding and then there's, you know, this, uh, ooh, what would you call it? A stamp of approval that some art gets and other art doesn't get that stamp of approval by the academy, by the gatekeepers. You know, I happen to be out here in California right now, you know, but I had been in New York for the last nine or I guess nine years or so. That's where my tribe is. Out here, I, I like to think of the, I call them the golden gatekeepers, you know, and, you know, the gate is a little bit smaller here than it is in New York City or the the East Coast or, you know, the, you know, the whole Eastern Seaboard. There's more uh, opportunities to do what you need to do and get your word out. And so um, I think, you know, in this country, unlike say some of the European countries where the arts are funded, you know, the there there's and and even um, well, let me let me share this little quick anecdote. Uh, there was a, a festival in Medellin, a poetry festival, and there were like a hundred and ten thousand people, I think, out at this poetry festival, and it was raining. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, think about that happening in you know New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, Boston. You know, I don't see it. it you know, and that doesn't mean it can't. But there's an appreciation, an infrastructure for the arts in other places. You know, some of the wealthier European countries, obviously, but even in countries of so-called developing countries, there's just uh, a place and an appreciation for the arts. And so I think, you know, you having something like this is so very important. I don't think this should be the last one uh, just to enable us to connect with like-minded artists, you know, because like I say, you know, I go back again when I met Demetrius, you know, I was really inspired and uplifted to, you know, because he's younger than I am, I think, obviously. And uh, to just have the, the kind of exchange that we have had, you know, um, just kind of supporting one another, even though, you know, it's just uh, Facebook or whatever. And, you know, it's done a lot for me, you know, for my spirits. And, and so I'll, I'll leave it at that. I think that's very important though to um, provide that kind of infrastructure that kind of framework that people can connect that you know and I you know I'd like to see Linda's work I, I would certainly like to see Ricardo's work and I'm getting to know Eartha in a different way and it, it, you know it's just a beautiful thing and so uh, you know nothing but uh, props to you guys for pulling it together. Well, I, I do want to thank you so much, Raymond, for all of that. I do want to mention not only Linda has been instrumental in this show and all our shows, but also Tim Sheard and Sren Mudiar and Kira Mudiar. And I'm not closing the show yet, although it sounds like, because that's what I say there. <laughs> and Mark Soderstrom, uh, who also sang, actually uh, sang. We had a song from him at our, our previous sh show. But I, I definitely would co-sign, Raymond, the, the sentiment of having more shelter and solidarities focused on art and art making that include performance as well as reflection on that. And uh, it's in our subtitle, 
you know, a deep dive with artists and activists. And I think we've been a little heavier on the, the activists and the reflections on those, you know, more prose than poetry, so to speak, um, more nonfiction than, than imagination. Uh, and, and I think we should work on that as we head towards 2021. I would love us to do, to make, to feature you all and, and your, your, your colleagues and comrades and co, co uh, culture workers uh, to center you even more. And if you do have um, artistic folks, you know, we'd love to be in touch with them. Uh, you know, we are making this path as we walk it. And, and we have met so many of you through this show, through this project. Though some of you I was fortunate enough to know before including you, Demetrius, uh, who I would love to, to hear from soon. Um, we haven't heard from you in a while, and Raphael and some others, but and also anyone who's, um, and I should mention at this mo moment, in two weeks, we will have our last show of 2020, uh, December 17th, another Thursday night, 7 p.m. And we will be, ref and, and we're going to basically do a, you know, uh, our own shelter and solidarity style uh, New, Year New Year's resolutions, so looking back and looking forward, right? Asking we're gonna we're contacting everyone who's been on the show as a guest that we can think of that we think might want to come back, which is almost everyone, and we're inviting them to come back and share a few words about the year past and what they hope for and think about in terms of challenges or opportunities in the day ahead, and consider yourselves all invited to that expanded roundtable as we uh, as we we'll close out 2020 for for reals on uh, on December 17th, and I would love to hear your work again there. Comments, questions, people, bye-bye Tracy. Tracy has to run. Uh, thank you for being here Tracy and sharing your work. It's great to hear your voice. Demetrius, I'm gonna ask you to say something or read a poem. It's up to you. Um, uh, I'd love to hear your reflective comments. Sure, on sure. Said, or I'd love to hear what you've written. Uh, let's, let's go another round, whatever you want. Uh, yeah, so um, just to say briefly, um, this has been a, really inspiring um and invigorating um for me as well i you know um all the sentiments that you share raymond are, are mutual i was just blown away when i had the opportunity to uh meet and hear your work uh earlier uh in the summer so it's been uh more than a pleasure to be able to continue to engage um your work uh and your activism uh through your work and uh just to kind of respond to the question you threw out joe about what are some of the challenges um, that an artist or a cultural worker can face. And I think something that Linda said was like, is really real to me. There's been times where just the pressures of surviving, um, you know, having to go to work, um, trying to keep the lights on, miles fed, <laughs> you know, just these day-to-day -day things that uh, we're compelled to do for our own existence uh, under capitalism can really make it difficult uh, to create. And I know there's been times where those pressures have been intense for me and it's difficult to find the inspiration to, to, to try to write or create, you know, when you're just uh, elbow deep uh, in the grind. But something that um, Ricardo said that, that really struck out is like organizing the activism is, uh, you do it to get better. And I found for me, like when things get really uh, intense, but there's movement work to do when there's active organizing going on in the ground. And when I'm plugged into that, the the creative juice is just like, it's like a dam is broke. And then it's just like, it's just pouring out. So when he said that, that that's really true uh, for me, that activism itself is a way to, to get better. Like just being uh, 
shoulder to shoulder with comrades in the struggle, working through things, having that community of folks that are actively engaged uh, helps trigger uh, the creative uh, process and juices for me. So um, it's kind of a dialectical thing, like the pressures can push you into those spaces. And then once you're into those spaces, you the creation, the creativity um, flows um out of that so it's it's a, it's a definitely a challenge but i think that challenge often uh helps birth um you know a, a lot of that um that creativity and i think earth was speaking to that point uh earlier you know the cries the pressures and then how the art stems um from that and i just really appreciated her saying that so i, I think in many ways uh, a lot of the uh, artists have have been commenting on, you know, those set of challenges um, throughout the night. So I, I appreciated um, folks saying that. And uh, I, I do have another piece that I can uh, share. It's, it's a shorter piece. Um, and uh, similar to the first piece, one thing that I've been uh, has been heavy on my heart while uh, recently is just uh, schools, teachers um, in this type of uh, environment. Uh, you know, I have a daughter who's uh, just turned 13 a couple weeks ago. And so while I'm attempting to work from home, she's going to school in a virtual remote environment and just observing that and the, and the struggles that the teachers are going through trying to, you know, reach the students and to try. It, it's really just been uh, something on my mind um, lately. So this is a piece that uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share and then I'll uh, cede my time for the evening. <clears throat> teacher, teacher, can you help me with common core? I know two plus two is four, but when rent is $625 and the utilities cost another 113 and my mama's hours got cut to 20 and she only makes 815 per hour before taxes, I don't think this math is adding up. Why is there always so much subtraction? Why can't she ever pay a whole bill? The first and 15th are filled with so many fractions. Teacher, why must your check be divided to pay for school supplies that the school never supplied? When it comes to our district, how come funding never gets multiplied? Remember last year when you and Miss Hyde said y'all were marching for us and wearing red for Ed? Is that kind of like what my aunt did when she said that she was marching for Breonna Taylor when those cops shot her in bed? Teacher, teacher, I think I'm confused and need a review of economics and civics. Is it kids in cages or single moms making poverty wages, anxiously waiting on paltry stimulus checks that are gridlocked like knees on George Floyd's neck? Is this really the land of the free and the home of the brave where food deserts are rampant for descendants of slaves? Hungry and homeless children packed tightly in Title I buildings with metal detectors and SROs on each hall, failing HVAC systems and toilet paper every other stall. Miss Jones, I know I ain't passed last year's EOG test, but that don't mean that I'm stupid and belong in ISS. I appreciate you saying that to Principal Smith. 
you stood up for me. I ain't mean to fail that standardized test. I didn't mean to get you fired. I really tried my best. Teacher, teacher, what's the substance of the American dream? Is it universal health care? Is it finally winning the fight for 15? Will we put an end to gentrification and stop deportations? Can we get rid of college tuition and abolish prisons, terminate student loans and evictions? Will there be universal housing? Will Black Lives Matter? Will we defund the police? Can Black trans women walk safely down our streets? Can we end rape culture, overturn this rotten two-party system, overthrow capitalism? If the answers are yes, then teachers stand with us. There's a war going on outside. No class is safe from. Our class must win. Demetrius, oh, math. That's the new, that's the new, new math right there. That's the new old math. Bringing back classic math in a new way. Demetrius Noble, folks. Come and zoom to a Zoom near you, I hope. Uh, all right, so we're, we're actually just about nine o'clock, uh, which is two hours, which is longer than we usually go. Um, shall we wrap it up, folks? Or does anyone have a closing pressing word that's bubbling up and needs to be shared? Producers are saying we should, we should wrap it up and I'll thank the sponsors. I don't want this night to end, but you know, uh, but it, but it will. Time moves on whether we want it to or not. I want to thank you all for being here tonight, amidst all the other things you're doing and and the, the demands on your time, um, on you know, from the home to the work to the street. I want to thank uh, co-producer and co-host tonight, Linda Liu, co-producers Tim Sheard, Mark Soderstrom, uh, Kira Mudliar, Seren Mudliar. I want to thank our our co-sponsors, which include the journal, the peer-edited journal, Socialism and Democracy, a research journal for social justice activism and, 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 and revolutionary thought, um, Hardball Press, a publisher of working class stories, and Cuentro Cinco, known as E5, a, uh, affectionately an E5, a hub for organizing in downtown Boston, Community Church of Boston as well. And I wanna thank our guests, Demetrius and Ertha and Raphael and Raymond Nat Turner and uh, Ricardo Levens Morales, uh, as well as Tim and Tracy and the Pandemics for their recorded song. Thank you all. If I've left anyone out, it's because I taught four classes today before coming to this, but somehow you've rejuvenated me. And I hope if you're listening and watching and this show has rejuvenated you, please do like us on Facebook and Follow us on YouTube and tell your friends. We have no corporate sponsors. We have no money to do our walking and talking for us. We are you. You are us. Shelter and Solidarity, come back in two weeks and join us as we reflect on the year behind us and the year ahead. Uh, we would love to hear you. Maybe even some more poetry and song on that day, as well as your reflections on that said theme. Uh, shelterandsolidarity.org. You can find out we have over about 35 episodes we've done now. So if you've only caught a couple, you got some catching up to do. And we hope that something we've done will inspire something in you.